Ticket Stubs and Cassette Tapes, a movie and music podcast. I'm Andy and I'm your host. Alright, so first off, it's been a while. And, um, you know, I sort of talked about before how, you know, I'm a musician and, and that takes up a good bit of my time as far as weekends. Um, I work a regular day job throughout the week. So, and, you know, after family time and things like that, it, it gets hard to find time to record. But luckily here lately, I've been able to find some more time and hopefully going forward, um, we'll sort of stay regular with that. And I'm really looking forward to it. I've got a lot of great stuff out there, some stuff I'm already working on. Um, I'd love to do, uh, I'm going to do a review of Top Gun Maverick as well as the original Top Gun. Um, and then we'll get into some more classic films and albums. I really want to do some more albums here pretty soon. Uh, we did, uh, back in black or I did back in black. Uh, it's on the channel. Um, so you can check that out. We got more of those coming. Uh, today I just wanted to do a review of, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, the show as a whole. There were several times where I thought about, going ahead and recording uh, like per episode or maybe halfway through the season and following up at the end. And eventually I just decided to wait until the whole series was over. I thought, you know, the episodes weren't extremely long, so it would be a lot easier, I think, to just break it down um, after the season is over. Um, now, this will be spoiler-filled, so if you haven't seen the Kenobi series... I, this is your fair warning right now. I'm going to get into spoilers. Um, the show is completely out. Every episode is out on Disney Plus. So if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out and then you know come back and, and listen to this. And then a little later on into the show, I'd like to talk about the new uh, Ghostbusters announcements. Um, it's not a Ghostbusters channel, but you guys know I'm a big fan and and it relates to you know classic the classic Ghostbusters franchise so would like to get into that as well uh as well as we'll get into a little box office for uh for top gun maverick um so a lot of exciting things to talk about but first off i'd love to get into obi-wan kenobi before i do that i wanted to say we're on facebook instagram twitter uh just search ticket stubs and cassette tapes you'll see our, our logo there uh give us a, a follow like whatever um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, pretty much anywhere you listen to, to podcasts, you can find us there. Um, so Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you listen to our Christmas Vacation episode, which was at the end of last year, 2021, we talked about our most anticipated uh, shows slash movies for this year. And Obi-Wan Kenobi was right up towards the top of the list for me. The reason is, as I've said before, Star Wars is my favorite franchise of all time. Uh, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, and I've been that way my whole life. I grew up um, a little bit before the prequel era, but, you know, as I was growing up, you know, the prequels were sort of coming out, and so... You know, they were a big part of my life, a big part of my childhood. You know, I loved, even though I know the prequels had their issues, I loved Ewan McGregor's portrayal of Obi-Wan. 
Um, I liked Hayden Christensen as, as Anakin. You know, I know that he catches flack for some of that stuff, and I think a lot of it had more to do with writing than it, it did his performance. But um, I thought he was good as Anakin. I was excited to see him back as Vader. Um, and so, you know, I was just excited to see this. And I'll say right off the top, you know, not to uh, jump too far ahead here, but I'll say right off the top, I enjoyed the show. I thought that the show was pretty good. I thought that um, there were some really good strong points in the show, which we'll get into. Um, I thought there were a few issues. I thought that there was um, some issue with pacing and... Um, and we'll we'll get into some of that stuff. But for me, first of all, I thought the episodes that really stood out were 1, 3, and 6. I thought 5 was good. 5 had some good stuff. I thought 2 was okay. Um, there were some good moments in 2. I thought there were some good moments in 4, but I thought that 4 was probably my least favorite. It was the episode where Obi-Wan went to the, uh, I think, what whatever it's called, the Inquisitorium or whatever, to, to save Leia. Um, I thought it was, a, it was my least favorite. I really enjoyed 1, 3, and 6. Really enjoyed 6. I enjoyed the finale. Um... I, I'll just break this down into negatives and positives. And I'll talk about the negatives first, not because I want to be negative, but just because I want to get those out of the way and then talk about the positives. And I think that would be the easiest way to do this. And again, this is not a formal breaking it down episode by episode review. I'm not going to do that. If you've watched the show, you've seen it. I'm just going to talk about it. Um, so for negatives... All right, so starting off, I think on paper what they were doing with with the character of Reva, on paper it was cool, right? You have this youngling who grows up, becomes an Inquisitor solely for the purpose to kill Darth Vader. On paper, that sounds awesome. I think the execution of it was a little off. And one of the reasons I think that is because it was so quick for us. I understand she worked her whole adult life to become an Inquisitor to infiltrate and try to kill Darth Vader. I get that. But in the process of the show, it was episode one, two, three, four. She's just angry, chopping off people's heads, um, you know, about to torture Leia uh, you know, just screaming everything, um, you know, her and the Inquisitors constantly getting into it, her stabbing the Grand Inquisitor, uh, her yelling at Kenobi. I mean, it's just anger, 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 anger. I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad. And then all of a sudden, you know, Kenobi says, oh, you're, you're not really evil. You're just doing this to, to kill Vader. And then Vader turns on her and he, you know, says, you know, I know you've been planning this all along and then in episode six uh it's this <clears throat> storyline with her going to get luke um and then she turns good and that's it i just thought the flow of it the way it was executed 
it just didn't really work very well for me. Um, and I, I'm not even talking like the thing is I knew Reva was going to turn good from the very first trailer. There's just something about that trailer that showed her that it was like, she's going to turn good. You, you just sort of knew it. It's become sort of a cliche in Star Wars, which I kind of wish they would move away from at, at this point. It was really powerful when Vader did it in Return of the Jedi. You know, turning and, and picking up the Emperor and throwing him over, over you know, down the shaft of the, um, the, the Death Star and, you know, taking off his helmet and talking to Luke. It was really beautifully done, but at this point it feels like it's just been done a lot. Not even just in movies, just in the video games, the comics, the books. They've done the whole evil turning back good storyline a lot. And I kind of wish we would move away from that because it's becoming really predictable. And I hate that. I hate that I was able to watch the first trailer and predict what was going to happen with her character. I really wish they would have done more to to really flesh out that character and give it give her some sort of you know better ending. I mean, I, I, even you know, I really I think in episode five they could have just killed her off. They could have had Vader kill her. And yes, it would have been tragic. It wouldn't have been a happy ending for the character, but it would have made a little more sense than her just walking away after everything she's done. You know, the thing with like Vader turning back good, you know, he didn't survive. He didn't live. He wouldn't have been able to. The galaxy would have, you know, strung him up for the crimes that he had committed. The You know, the things he had taken part in, the people he had killed. I mean, yeah, he turned back good. He turned back to Anakin Skywalker, but they're not going to see it that way. Uh, same thing I said with with uh, Ben Solo in The Rise of Skywalker. You know, I heard some people say, well, why couldn't they just keep him alive? He was a good character. You know, even though the sequels had their issues, if they wanted to move forward at some point, he would have been a strong actor to come back. Uh, well, the thing is, he's done a lot of terrible things. You, you, he can't be redeemed to the people. He can be redeemed to some characters that know him a little more personally, but the, the whole galaxy is not going to accept that, oh, he just turned back good. You know, that's not going to make up for the crime. So they essentially just kill the character off, and it's a, it's a good ending for the character. Um, you know, when, when Darth Vader died, the galaxy didn't see it as, oh, he turned back good. That's great. They just saw it as Darth Vader's dead. Thank, thank God, you know, <laughs> thank God that guy's dead. Him and the emperor, they're dead. Finally, even though Vader wasn't super well known around the universe, as we see in the Kenobi series, you know, Obi-Wan didn't even know he was still alive. And some people had issues with that. I didn't because that's sort of Vader's role. He's not a guy that's out in the spotlight. A lot of people don't even know him. When they see him walking down the street, they don't know who he is. They just know he's a powerful figure. Um, so I understand that. I get that. The Emperor is the face of the Empire. Vader is not. But, um, yeah, I think with Reva they could have done a little bit better executing that character as a whole. Um you know, maybe they'll do some sort of solo spinoff thing with her. I don't know. I don't really know that I want that personally. I don't know if it was interesting enough uh, to get that. But good on paper, wasn't executed, you know, very well. The other thing I'll say um, as far as her character is in episode six, with her going to, to you know, quote unquote, kill Luke, 
I didn't really love that. Mainly because it kept pulling away from the fight between Vader and Obi-Wan to her infiltrating, uh, you know, Owen's farm, looking for Luke and chasing him. And it's trying to, to do this back and forth with the tension. The problem is we know she doesn't kill Luke, so there's no tension to it. Um, you know, she's carrying Luke back in her arms and, you know, they're sitting there thinking, oh, is he dead? Which I get it. The the characters of Owen and Obi-Wan and Baru, the tension is on, is on their part because they don't know if he's dead or not. But we as the audience know he's not dead. So there's really no tension there. It's, it's not really, again, it's not really executed the way I think that they thought it was going to be. Uh, didn't didn't carry out that way. Um, but, you know, that's, that's pretty much all I've got as far as Reva. Um, I think that she had some decent moments. I really liked in episode two when she was yelling at Obi-Wan behind those crates and saying, you know... Uh, Anakin is alive and he's been looking for you. I thought that was great. That was, that was really well done. That was a good moment. But again, I think they could have worked a little harder to execute the character of Reva a little bit better. Um, the other, uh, another negative I have, I thought, so I said that this should have been a movie and it's since come out that Obi-Wan Kenobi was supposed to be a trilogy of movies. But after the failure of Solo, they decided to forego the movie route and make it a TV show. And I think it hurt it. This should have been movies. And the reason I say that is because this should have had a little bit more of a movie budget. There were too many times throughout the series where this felt a little TV-ish in the way that things were shot. Uh, a lot of times things felt small scale when they really shouldn't have felt small scale. Um, and it's hard to explain. It's hard to put it into words um, without just watching the scenes along with you and explaining. But there were, and I think a lot of you will understand what I'm saying. It just, there were times where this felt like a TV show. And I know that that, I hate to put that negative connotation on it because I know there's a lot of great TV shows out there, but Star Wars is cinematic. Star Wars needs to feel cinematic, and I think The Mandalorian does a pretty good job of doing that. I think Boba Fett did a pretty good job of doing that. Um, this show, you saw some of the TV aspects to it. It, it. Some of it just didn't feel as big and epic as it should have, which brings me to my next negative. The music in this show was not I mean it wasn't there this is a franchise that lives and dies by score and music and sound and this show it it really was lackluster as far as music I mean besides the opening title with John Williams you know Obi-Wan theme there just wasn't much there. I honestly didn't even notice any score in the entire series until episode six, where you heard score while Vader and Obi-Wan were fighting. You heard uh, score when Obi-Wan was talking to Leia. You heard Leia's theme and the Force theme. 
but up until then, I mean, there just wasn't much. I mean, you heard a little bit in episode three, but I almost just, and I know score was there. It was there throughout. I'm just saying it just didn't feel prevalent. It didn't feel like it was at the foreground of what was going on. Um, and that's really key to Star Wars. I think that's so big. And John Williams sort of set that tone, you know, back in 1977 with the original movie. He set the tone of what Star Wars is. And it is in large part a score that is going along with the scenes and giving them life. And if you don't have that, it's noticeable. It's very noticeable. And this show really missed on that mark, which is so sad because I thought that this show would have the best score of any of the shows so far, especially when you had the trailers coming out and they were giving you Duel of the Fates and they were giving you Battle of the Heroes, which everybody says when when, when Vader and Obi-Wan fought, it should have been Duel of the Fates. And I disagree. I think it should have been Battle of the Heroes because that's what played when they fought on Mustafar in episode three. And all the trailers were showing you all the music from the prequels. And then there was none of it in the show. And I think that was a missed opportunity. I really think they should have played into that a little bit more and really, really pushed, uh, you know, to have this, this should have been a score that we all wanted to go out and buy on vinyl or download, but instead it was just not there. It was not very prevalent. Uh, it wasn't noticeable. So I, to me, that's a negative. That's, that's a big negative. Um, other negatives. I thought the Inquisitors as a whole were underwhelming. Um, the Grand Inquisitor was okay. Didn't do much. I was really hoping he would get into a lightsaber fight at some point. Um, obviously he was quote unquote fake dead. Again, not a lot of tension there because we know he doesn't die. Um, because he's in Rebels. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I thought the, like, the fifth brother, to me, got kind of annoying. You know, the way he just talked and talked and never really did anything, but he always talked down to Reva and, you know, just talked a big game but didn't really do much. I, you know, I felt like they could have re- really in, uh, utilized the Inquisitors a little more. Um, but... You know, that's sort of a smaller negative for me. Another one um, that I can think of right off the top is the runtime of the episodes. I don't understand in this day and age how we have such an anticipated series come out and the episodes are all like after credits and intros and all that. This episodes are like 20-something minutes long. That shouldn't happen. And the thing about it is, is it's not one of those things where they're all 20-something minutes long, but they fit everything in and it works really well. There were times when the pacing of the show was just like super sped up and it felt super sped up. You know, something would happen and you would think, okay, we'll get back to that right down the road. And then immediately they go and solve the issue. And I'm like... Well, that happened super quick. I feel like they could have fleshed that out. You know, in episode four, right after Obi-Wan and Vader first met, you know, he jumps in the back to tank for two minutes, jumps out, meets the rebels, and immediately go see, you know, Inquisitor Base. And I was like, well, that was fast. That was super fast. And I felt like, you know, he could have taken a little more time 
to sort of discover the the beginnings of you know sort of the rebellion and what was going on with uh, these people who were saving force users and you know sort of fighting back in small parts against the empire. Um, but they didn't. They just rushed through a lot of stuff, and I feel like they really could have taken their time with some more stuff, um, and and really just fleshed out the story a little bit more. Um, I thought episode one did a good job. It was sort of a slow burn, and that's what I thought the show was going to be—a slow burn character study. But it really just jumps in, and it's just a race to the end of the show and uh, and and don't get me wrong it's not horrible um but i really do think i really do think especially like the last couple of episodes could have been well over an hour and they just weren't i don't know if any episode was over an hour i think the longest episode was 50 something minutes um so that was a negative for me let's get into positives because i do want to reiterate i liked the show so Let's get let's let's look at some positives here. Number one, Ewan McGregor was great. The the Obi Wan is such a beloved character in such a beloved franchise, and Ewan McGregor just kills it. He does a really good job of portraying a different kind of Obi Wan. You know, I know a lot of people say, "Well, he's like a coward or he's a quitter." No, you know, he's just a guy in this series that he's been defeated. I mean, he has lost everybody. He's lost his way of life. Um, and so I'm sure he was reluctant to fight Vader in episode three. And I, by the way, another positive, I love that episode three where Vader just sort of gets to unleash on him. I feel like that makes a lot of sense, you know, with Obi-Wan being cut off from the force for so long and not really able to fight back. Um, Vader just took advantage and he didn't, you know, kill Obi-Wan or nothing like that, but he really had his moment where he was like, set this on fire, picks up Obi-Wan and throws him into it, and you can just tell he's been planning that out for years. And I really loved that. I love that they didn't just jump in and have an all-out battle right off the bat. I love that they gave Vader his moment to sort of get some revenge back. And then, in episode six, you get more of the composed fight, even though Vader's really angry. My next positive is Vader himself. I love the way they portray him as a young, way more aggressive, way more... Um, he, he's a strong Vader, but hes you can tell he's hes not mastered it yet. He, You know, it, it really plays into the whole, you know, I, when, when I left you, I was the learner, but now I'm the master... He's not a master in this show. He's not. And you see that in episode six when he's just fighting angry and and just constantly just, you know, going for kill shots. And Obi-Wan rises up and beats him. And the reasoning is, is because he ha- he still has not mastered, um, you know, the things that would have made him a Jedi master or the things that would put him towards Palpatine's level. You know, he still fights very angrily, which Sith do, but he lets it blind him sometimes. Um, He sort of believes that he's so strong he can just take out anybody, which granted he pretty much can for the most part. Um, But he underestimates people because of his anger. And I really love 
uh, how they showed that. I love how they showed him making mistakes. I love um, in episode six when the Emperor basically tells him, hey, stop hunting Obi-Wan. You know, you are too focused on this. You work for me. I loved that because it was really showing how Vader... Um, how Vader is, uh, you know, he's still young. I mean, it's been 10 years, but he's still young and still figuring this out. Um, he, you know, he's, I think by the time a new hope rolls around, he's way more settled into this role of power. Uh, and, and, you know, he's harnessed more of, you know, that aggression and really knows how to use it a lot better. But at this point, he's still very just angry. And, and so I love how they portrayed that. I really do. I appreciate that. It really goes well with the comic series and, you know, the Vader that we would think we would get between episodes three and four. So I appreciated that. Um, another positive is I really liked how they made strong efforts to tie some things up canon wise, um, and extend parts of the canon. Um, like I mentioned, I love, you, you know, cause you would think, well, how is Obi-Wan free now? Because Vader knows he's still alive after they fight, um, at the end of the series. But then you have the emperor come in and basically tell him to stop looking for Obi-Wan. I thought that was great. Um, you know, Obi-Wan telling Leia that they can't tell anybody, they can't mention what happened uh, in this series, at, you know, at, at the end because it could put them both at risk. I thought that was really well done. Um, you know, just little things like that. I thought that um, I thought it was really good. I, you know, the way that um, Obi Wan learns of Vader and the way that he knows he's more machine than man, and it really, really is a good transition from Revenge of the Sith to A New Hope. I know that it's not the show, the epic show that maybe everybody thought we would get in total, but I thought it wrapped things up pretty well. I thought episode six was really good. The fight between that's, and that's going to be my biggest positive. The fight between Vader and Obi-Wan was great. It wasn't Mustafar episode three level, but the way they're fighting and the way Obi-Wan just rises up and basically is like, all right, I'm, I'm taking you down. And then the thing happened that we all anticipated would happen. Vader's mask gets ripped open and you get Hayden Christensen. And the mixture of his voice and the voice of Vader was beautifully done. Very well done. Great idea and they executed it perfectly. And him saying, you know, Anakin's gone. I'm what remains. Um, uh, You know, uh, he says... um, what else did he say? I'm not your failure. You did not kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. That was great. I thought that was great. And Obi-Wan, you know, a tearful Ewan McGregor saying, you know, I'm sorry, Anakin. I'm sorry for all of it. And then you get at the end of the episode with the Emperor basically snapping on Vader. Not really, but saying, you know, uh, your judgment's clouded. Basically, stop looking for Obi-Wan. I think this was the beginning of the conflict between Anakin and Vader. I, I really do. I think this was... When we see in episode um, six... Um, uh, excuse me, Return of the Jedi, 
when we see in Return of the Jedi, um, you know, Anakin really coming full circle with that conflict and turning back to the light, I think this was the beginning of that. I really do. I think that they did a good job showing that. Um, you know, with, with Anakin, I mean, with Obi-Wan looking at him and, and saying, you know, Anakin, um, you know, that really helps fulfill the line um, that Vader says in the original trilogy to Luke, which is, you know, Obi-Wan once thought as you do. Again, it's just little canon things like that. I thought they did a good job of, of portraying, and I really enjoyed that. I thought that a lot of that stuff was, was pretty well thought out. Um, let's see more positives. Um, I thought that some of the, the set designs were pretty good. The, 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 you know, the inquisitor base was cool. Um, I liked the setting of the Vader Obi-Wan fight with it being dark out and you you really get the bright lightsaber colors, the way the lighting was all done there in their fight. That was good. Um, so yeah, those were just some of the negatives and positives I took from the show. I thought that I thought that the show was was pretty good. Again, it wasn't completely epic start to finish. It wasn't this big epic six-part series that they built it out to be, but it was good. I thought it was solid, and I think that's important to say things like that when you believe it nowadays because we sort of started this culture now in star wars where if if something's not you know grand scale epic great best movie of all time everybody just jumps into trash on it and i think that it's important to just say when something's okay when something's pretty good it's okay to just say it was pretty good it wasn't it wasn't epic you know sometimes things don't meet their full potential and that's okay that's okay it's not gonna happen every time it's just not nobody's free from that star wars isn't marvel isn't you know whatever it may be sometimes things are just pretty good and they're not super great you know and i and i think that's what we got in this series and you know that's okay because this was a story that we didn't need in the first place we know what happens uh in the prequel era we know what you know how things tie up in the original trilogy era we really didn't need this but it was pretty good for what it was And, and like i said i thought that it did some good you know, a good job giving us some cool Star Wars moments, and I can appreciate that if nothing else. I, I really can. Um, so yeah, I overall enjoyed it. Uh, do I want a season two? Not really. I mean, I hate to say something like that, but I'm just not sure what you could do in season two that would be better than what we got here in terms of. I don't really want to see Obi-Wan help and start up the rebellion because it's sort of made clear to me anyway, that he's not really a part of the rebellion. He's sort of camping out still on Tatooine when the rebellion sort of rises up to its full power. Um, to me, it would make more sense for him to have really nothing to do with it. We know him and Vader aren't going to meet again. I mean, I think they did a good job setting that up where, you know, Vader's essentially going to stop looking for him. Um, and that's why he feels comfortable being out in the open now. Um, they did a good job. Uh, again, I didn't even mention this. The Qui-Gon, uh, the, the, the Qui-Gon uh, cameo was great. Uh, I thought that was, that was really good. A touching moment for people like me who grew up in the, in the prequel time period. It was so cool to see that. 
um, see Liam Neeson back as Qui-Gon. Um, and so I think that it's okay where it is. I, I do. Um, you know, if they did maybe a Vader spinoff series with the Emperor and maybe you just get some Obi-Wan in there from time to time, even though, again, it wouldn't make a lot of sense for him and Obi-Wan to meet up again. I don't think that needs to happen, but I would be okay with that. But I, again, I just don't know that we need uh, an, an Obi-Wan season two. Um, if they do it and it's a good story and it's executed well, then I'm all for it. But I just don't know right now that we need it. Um, I don't know if it's necessary. And I think that, you know, at this point you stand, uh, you know, you stand for it to be a failure more than you do for it to be a success. Because I think that, um, I don't know that you could do anything interesting enough to make a whole series out of it, to be honest. Um, but that's just my opinion. Um, again, if they do it and it's good, I'll be all for it. I'll, I'll be the first one up cheering for it. Um, so, you know, we'll see, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do and, and, and we'll see when it comes out, if it comes out, if it happens, I know they've talked about it some, so we'll see. Um, all right. So, that's pretty much all my thoughts for uh obi-wan um i I, i'm gonna get to reviewing the rest of the star wars movies that's something that i've failed at miserably and i apologize for that um but that's gonna happen we're gonna pick back up with the return of the jedi and then get into the prequels and then the sequels and i'll probably go through the, the the tv shows too um at some point so looking forward to doing that all right let's jump into a little bit of Ghostbusters news here. So we had Ghostbusters Day not too long ago, a couple weeks back, and uh, they had the Ecto Fest, which takes place in in the Sony Studios in California. Um, Jason Reitman and Gil Cannon were there, and they made an announcement on stage of a few different things. Number one of the video game, which we know about, the Ghostbusters uh, video game, uh, the Ilphonic video game coming out later this year. It's going to be, you know, uh, a four-person, you know, basically in the same style as like a Red Dead, or, excuse me, not Red Dead Redemption, uh, Dead by Daylight, which is essentially three Ghostbusters, I think, or four Ghostbusters and one ghost. Uh, and you just are all basically in a mini-map together um, fighting. So, um that sounds like it'll be cool. Sounds like it'll be fine. Uh, not really a story-based thing, but uh, so it'll be a lot different from the 2009 video game we got. But sounds like it'll be fun, you know, to play around on, and I'm looking forward to that. They also announced a new comic book series that is canon in the Ghostbusters universe. I'm very much looking forward to that. They announced an animated series coming to uh, Netflix. Very much looking forward to that. And they announced an animated movie as well as a new live-action sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife. So there's a lot happening in the Ghostbusters universe. And I, for one, cannot be more excited about it. I mean, I I'm really loved Afterlife. You can listen to our review. It's the first review I ever did uh, on the channel. And so you can go check that out, Ghostbusters Afterlife review. Um, I loved the movie. Um, I thought Gate... Uh, uh, Jason Ryman and Gil Kennan did an exceptional job of sort of picking up the torch um, and really giving us something new and a, and a little bit different feel than the original uh, two movies. But I thought it was really well done. 
very tasteful, um, very fan servicey, which I like. I know some people put a negative on that, but I think I'm a fan. So if I'm a fan and you're giving me fan service, I'm just naturally going to like it and appreciate it. And I thought they did a good job with the story as well. I don't think that it was, you know, really rehashing. I think that it was it was a good continuation of the story. Um, so I'm excited for this. I'm excited for all of those things I mentioned. Um, but I specifically wanted to talk about the uh, live action movie, which just got announced is going to release in December of 2023, which is a lot sooner than I thought it was going to. I thought it would be summer 2024 at the earliest. Um, so this is, you know, they're really pushing uh, this, you know, pretty quick release here. And, you know, I think that's sort of Jason Reitman's thing. You know, he's not one of these huge budget filmmakers, which is sort of perfect for the Ghostbusters universe. You know, I don't think they're ever going to be big budget movies, uh, which is, you know, that works right into his wheelhouse. Um, but yeah, I mean, December 2023, that's, that's, that's quick for a movie. I mean, you're talking about you got a year and a half from announcement to release, which I'm sure they've been working on the story ever since Afterlife was still shooting. So they've probably got the story completely done, uh, maybe just making last minute changes to it at this point. Um but I'm really looking forward to it. The code name for the movie is Firehouse. Um, if you don't know what that means, the code name for Afterlife was Rust City. Obviously, you know, the the movies work under code names. They don't ever call them whatever their title is. They work under code names based on uh, something, you know, surrounding the story. So for Afterlife, it was Rust City because obviously Afterlife, you know, had a lot of settings with rust and uh, you know, things were old and beaten up. This one is Firehouse because we're going back to New York. We're going back to the Firehouse. We're following up on that post credit scene we got in Afterlife with Winston and the Firehouse. I think that's awesome. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, you know, I, I w- I'm going to love seeing Ghostbusters in a New York setting again. Um, I'm excited to see where they take this. We know, because Jason Ryman said it on stage, this is going to be the continuation of, <clears throat> excuse me, of the uh, Spangler family story. Um, something interesting, uh, when they announced the release date, uh, McKenna Grace, Finn Wolfhard, and Carrie Coon all um, uh, posted it on their social media. So, pretty good chance those three characters are coming back. I don't know who else. I would assume um, the character of Lucky is going to make a return. Uh, I don't know about Paul Rudd. You know, the thing about him is I don't know if he wants to be tied up into another franchise right now with him being, you know, pretty heavily invested in Marvel. Um, I hope he comes back. Um, I really do. I think he was really, really good in Afterlife. Really good character. Um, And so... Uh, you know, fingers crossed he comes back. I would say as far as the original cast, you'll see obviously Ernie Hudson back as Winston and you will, you'll see Dan Aykroyd back as uh, Ray. I, you, you're not going to see Bill Murray back. I, you know, I hate to say something like that. So definitively, uh, he came back to afterlife specifically for uh, three reasons. 
Um, number one, he lo- he likes Gil Cannon a lot. He's worked with Gil Cannon before and really likes him as a writer. Number two, he likes Jason Reitman and the fact that he's Ivan Reitman's son and that Jason was there when they made the originals and he thought Jason wrote a good script and a good story. He read it before he said yes and he thought it was he, he and Gil Cannon had wrote a good story. Uh, and number three, the movie was a dedication to the character of Egon and Harold Ramis. And obviously, if you don't know, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis had a, a year-long um, spout where they didn't speak. Uh, there was some issues on the movie Groundhog Day, which uh, Harold Ramis directed, Bill Murray starred in. They got into some sort of altercation um, and just didn't speak for several decades. Um, and, uh, you know, the last time they spoke and the only time they spoke after that was when Harold Ramis was on his deathbed and Bill Murray came and visited him to make amends before he passed away. And, uh, I think that Bill Murray did the film in a large part because he wanted to give that tribute to the character of Harold. I mean, to the character of Egon and to the, and to Harold as an actor. Um, I don't think that he wants to jump back in to, the Ghostbusters franchise as a whole at this point. I think he's sort of done with it. Um, who knows? I mean, he could come back. Um, I, for one, would be shocked, incredibly shocked, if he even made a cameo in the movie, to be honest. I, again, I think he's kind of done uh, with it. Sort of like Harrison Ford with Star Wars. You just feel like that's a guy who doesn't really have the appreciation for the franchise that you would like to think they do. Uh, it was more of just a job to them. Uh, I think, you know, both of those actors, you know, similarly had fun working on the projects originally, but they're, they're just not franchise guys. They, I mean, that's kind of silly to say about Harrison Ford, who's obviously, you know, Indiana Jones and Han Solo, but I just don't, again, I just don't think they have the love for the, the characters and for the franchise that we do. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't think you'll see Bill Murray back. Um, could you see Annie Potts back as Janine? Sure. Uh, I think you'll see Slimer in this movie. Um, could see a Rick Moranis uh, cameo, quite possibly Lewis Tully. Uh, maybe Sigourney Weaver, doubt it, but maybe. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, there's no telling who will pop up in this movie. I don't know. Uh, Villain-wise, I think we'll get a new villain. Um, I think, you know, there could be a return of Vigo, but I don't know that, uh, I don't know that how they would play that out or anything like that. But, um, I'd like to, I'd just like probably just to see a new villain, to be honest. Uh, you know, keep, uh, adding to the lore of villains and, and I think that would be really cool to see. Um, I, number one at the top of my list was to get, Jason Reitman and, and Gil Kennan back. Number two at the top of my list was to is to get the original Ghostbusters in the movie as much as you can, as long as it fits and makes sense. And number three at the top of my list is get Rob um, Simonson back to do the score. I that is that is crucial to me. Get him back. Do what you did with Afterlife. Give that same amount of love and care to the score 
uh, because, again, and I still feel the same way about his score for Afterlife as I do the day I heard it for the first time. It is incredible. It is one of my favorite movie scores of all time. He did such an incredible job recapturing the magic of Elmer Bernstein's score and adding to it in certain ways. I mean, he, he really, really nailed it. And um, I really am looking forward to, to him coming back if he does. I think that will be awesome. Um, so, yeah, I don't really want to give it, you know, expectations or things beyond what I've already said uh, in terms of what I want from the movie because I sort of hate doing that. I feel like uh, that sets you up for disappointment a lot of times. But um, I'm, I'm excited. I'm incredibly excited. And we'll give some more news on that um, as, uh, you know, as we get closer to release. And uh, should be fun. Last thing I wanted to talk about, you know, I'm going to review Top Gun Maverick in a separate, uh, separate uh, podcast episode. But I do want to say I, the movie just did cross 1 billion worldwide. Look, that's incredible. That's incredible, especially when you consider the film didn't release in China. Um, that th- that movie right is just done wonders, and and I really think that movie has done a lot for the for the theater industry. I think that um, I think that you know it's really opened a lot of people's eyes as far as you know remembering what a real summer blockbuster is like something that's kind of not really tied to a big franchise i mean i know top gun has uh, a prequel in it which is the original top gun but um man that movie is it's just it's 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 incredible to see what it's done and and what what it has accomplished. Biggest movie I think of Tom Cruise's career, which is saying something for a guy who's had a career as long as he's had. Um, but uh, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting note. One billion for that movie that I don't think they even expected to make probably half that. So um, that's incredible, incredible news. All right, guys, this is all I've got for uh, this episode. I, like I said, I'll be coming back with uh i'm gonna review top gun maverick i'm gonna review top gun and then we'll get into some other stuff i'm looking forward to it um you know keep listening keep checking back uh make sure you subscribe to the to the the podcast uh go look us up on social media again we're on uh facebook instagram twitter uh ticket stubs and cassette tapes you'll see our logo there um and hopefully um you know in the future uh you know Hopefully in the future we can do some more giveaways like I did for uh, the Ghostbusters Afterlife Blu-ray. So looking forward to doing stuff like that. Uh, Make sure you are uh, keeping up with everything we're doing. All right, guys. uh, This has been Ticket Stubs and Cassette Tapes. I'm Andy, and we'll see you next time.